We invite you to turn to Mark chapter 4 um, this morning. Uh, If you have a Bible, go ahead and turn there. If you have your device, please feel free uh, to pull it out and slide over uh, to Mark chapter 4. Um, If you don't have a Bible app and you tend to read things on your phone, the Bible app is a pretty good app um, that you can use for your phone. Um, It has the Bible on it, uh, and uh, you can follow along pretty easily uh, with it. So I invite you to download that if you don't have anything with you real quick. And if you want a physical copy, we have some right outside those doors back there. Um, But we are uh, jumping back into our Tethered series in the book of Mark this morning. Uh, And what we've said in our Tethered series is that we just, we want to get connected to Jesus. Um, We know that there are a lot of things in life that we can kind of tether ourselves to where where, um, that promise to give us life, but at the end of the day when we lay our head down at night, like we don't really have joy and we don't really have peace, um, we're still striving for something else. We know that through Jesus, that that's where true peace is and that's where true life is. And so we've said, we just want to connect ourselves to him. And wherever he goes, that's where we want to go. So Tethered is the series that we're in in uh, Mark. And our goal for this year, guys, um, is that we want to increasingly be becoming more connected to Jesus. Now, obviously, when we come to Christ, we're already in the family. Um, But we want to tighten our grip on who Jesus is. And as we tighten our grip on him, we want to kind of let loose of our grip that we have on the things of the world, not our care for the world, but let our, gru- our, our, let our grip a little bit looser on the things um, of the world. And we want to grow as disciples of Jesus. Um, so as we're kind of starting off this morning to start getting our heads wrapping around Mark chapter 4, at least the back end of Mark chapter 4, I want to ask you uh, a couple of just rapid questions here. First one is, why do you get close to a fire? It's kind of... Yeah, because you, you want to get warm, right? Pretty easy, right? This, just, I mean, you guys, if you were taking a test right now, you'd be knocking it out of the park, okay? You get, you, you get close to the fire because you want to get warm. Why do you turn a light switch on in your house when it's dark outside? So you can see, you guys are fantastic. You guys must have went to Ashland Greenwood. Right? You guys are brilliant. Um, but yeah, you, like, you flick on the lights in your house when it's dark outside for simply because you want to see. You want to be able to see what's going on. You don't want to be groping around in the dark trying to figure out how not to bump yourself into something else that could be harming you. You, you light a fire because you want to get warm. You turn on the light because you want to be able to see. Now, when we get into the back end of Mark chapter 4, Jesus, we already know he's starting to talk in parables. And now he's going to continue to talk only in parables to the outside world, Mark's going to say. And here's how he says it in verse 33 and 34. He says, in fact... In his public ministry from here, he only taught in parables. But when he got away with the disciples, he would explain everything to them. I want to say something, and I want you to pay attention really closely to me. If you're a believer in Christ, like this is imperative for you. But if you're not a believer in Christ yet, and you're trying to figure out what does my journey towards faith look like, or where am I at in my journey towards faith, this is something that you're going to want to tuck away and put in your your pocket somewhere, okay? Okay. In the life of a Christian, here's how this works. According to how Jesus explains how the kingdom of God works, there's a sense that if you want to grow, okay, and if you want to understand what's going on in the kingdom of God, if you want to grow and if you want to see the kingdom of God expand in you and around you, you have to want to understand. You have to want to grow. It's not something I'm just going to kind of grope my way through this, if you want to grow in the kingdom of God, the way that Jesus is going to explain this and lay it out in the parables, you have to want to grow and you have to want to understand. See, in our current cultural Christianity that we have right now, 
there is what we could call an apathy or there is maybe an indifference. And in that apathy and in that indifference, what ends up happening is when you look around, there's a lot of staleness in the Christian faith. Um, and that, stare, that, 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 that leads to sterile faith as well, where there's not a lot of growth and there's not a lot of productivity that's happening out of that. But the way that we learn to understand and the way that we learn to grow is that you simply get close to the fire. You get close to Jesus. You get close to him and you ask him, God, would you turn on the lights for me? Would you allow me to see? Would you allow me to understand? And here's what Mark says about Jesus. Jesus is going to talk in parables to the outside world. But to those who want to know, to those who want to grow, to those who want to understand, to the disciples, he says he is going to explain everything to them. And so there's a key in the Christian faith that if we want to grow and if we want to get warm, if we want to know and we want to have understanding, that we have to get close to Jesus. And we have to want to get close to Jesus. It doesn't just happen by osmosis because you're close to somebody else. You have to want that growth in your life. And I'm going to say this too, and if, if you're paying attention, you write things down, this might be something that you want to write down. What's one of the greatest enemies? Now, maybe not the greatest enemy, but what's one of the greatest enemies to understanding and growth for us? I would say one of the greatest enemies that we have of growth and understanding is pride. It's pride. Thinking that I know everything, thinking that I don't need anybody else to show me anything or to tell me anything to help give me understanding. I don't need to listen to anyone or anything else. I've got life all figured out. I have all the understanding that I need, which means that if I have all the understanding that I need, that I can live this life out all on my own and I can figure it, I can grope my way towards where true life is. I don't need anybody else. Now, of course, there's none of us in the room that would say that. None of us are dumb enough to be like, yeah, I just live like nobody else matters and nobody else cares. Right? There's none of us that would actually say that. But in functionality, don't we live like that sometimes? Like, I've just got life all figured out. And even, even like, nobody, like, we don't even want to acknowledge that because we don't want to say it out of our mouth. But functionally, sometimes this is the direction that our lives take. And Jesus is going to confront that pride head on. He's, he is going to highlight the power and the sovereignty of God, and he's going to do that with these parables as he goes after the pride and the heart of men. And, and so kind of buckle up for where he's going to be taking us here. Now, parables, they're not usually difficult for us to understand. Now, there are some parables that are a little bit more difficult than others to understand. But generally, when we come to a parable, we can wrap our minds around it because we have the Holy Spirit who's able to help guide us through the understanding of what that passage is. So parables, they're not difficult for us to understand, but they're not always easy for us to apply. Why is that? Well, because of what we just said. They, they tend to be countercultural. Parables tend to go after our pride. Parables tend to make us uncomfortable. They go after our ability to do things all on our own without the help of anybody else uh, around us. Parables really do attack the pride. And parables usually challenge the pride of the person who says, I'm good at kind of figuring out things as I go, and I can do it all by myself. I want to think about this with me. There's a, a certain set of values that typically, that typically become characteristic of every civilization and culture that's ever been throughout human history. 
It was true then as we read the scriptures. It's true now as we live out life right now. You look around the world and specifically here within the United States, and you see that there's a, a system um, that, that's kind of set in place. There's a certain set of values and rhythms of life that uh, are kind of what we would mark our territory with, this certain system and values of life. Or we could say that those systems and ways and rhythms of life, they characterize our kingdom, democracy, freedom, independence, pride, celebration, fun. And even within subsections of our country, you have cities and towns and groups of people within these cities and towns who have their own values and rhythms of life as well. And so when you go into the city of Omaha or you go into the city of Lincoln, um, it's going to feel different than rolling up into Ashland, is it not? Like, it's just going to be like Lincoln and Omaha are a part of Nebraska, but Nebraska, and Nebraska is a part of the, the larger um, uh, United States, but every town and city has a little bit of a subsection within that has their own values within the values of the larger picture. And these are good things. They're typically elements of life that help us function well in society. They help us to be enjoyable people and to, to, to enjoy being around others. They're things that typically bring us together. Now we know that we live in a society in a world where things don't always bring us together. There are some things that separate us. But typically, when we look at the values and the, cult and, and, and the rhythms of, of the world that we live in and the culture that we live in, those are typically things that, that bring us to, together. But the values of our individual kingdoms or a cultural kingdom, they don't always line up with the values of the kingdom of God. Would you agree with me? Our own values within our own kingdoms, within our own little cultures or subcultures, they don't always line up with the values of the kingdom of, of God. Okay, And when there's misalignment of our kingdom according to God's kingdom, and our kingdom begins to impede with the kingdom of God, change is necessary. And Jesus, in these parables, he is perfectly comfortable with making us uncomfortable. He is perfectly comfortable in confronting our pride when there's change that's necessary. When our culture begins to bump up against his kingdom and when his sovereignty is being set aside for our own way of living, then he's willing to confront us. And he often does that in parables. And we see it in uh, the, the beginning of, of Mark here. Does that make sense? The parables are going to confront us, and hopefully they're going to move us to see his kingdom, and they're going to move us to value his kingdom over our own kingdom. So I'm going to look at verse 21, and as we look at verse 21 and start to read through, uh, I want us to kind of get our minds around this and start to ask the question, am I willing to hear what Jesus has to say to me this morning? Am I willing to be led by God's truth this morning, and wherever his truth takes me, am I willing to go to that place? And so as we jump in to the back end of Mark chapter 4, I want to make it as easy as possible. So there are three things here that I think that we can glean. Um, there's a ton more, but three things that we're going to focus on this morning uh, that we can learn uh, about the kingdom of God here. Uh, and so the big picture is that Jesus is starting to talk about the kingdom. He's starting to show us what the values of the kingdom are going to be like. He's talking to the disciples and saying, this is what kingdom life looks like. And here are three things that we can begin to learn. The first is, when we get close to Jesus, he's going to tell us more. When we get close to Jesus and we want to understand, he's going to tell us more about the kingdom. Look at verse 21. And he said to them, 
Is a lamp brought in to be put under a basket or under a bed and not on a stand? For nothing's hidden except to be manifest, nor is anything secret except to come to light. If anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. And he said to them, pay attention to what you hear. With the measure you use, it will be measured to you, and still more will be added to you. For to the one who has, more will be given, and from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. So let's start with the end there, okay? He said again, if anybody who has ears to hear, let him hear. And he tells him again, pay attention to what you hear. He said, what he's saying is, if you really want to know, if you really want to understand, you'll get to know more. But if you don't want to know, or if all you want to know is something to help your preconceived ideas uh, and to help build along your own little kingdom, even what you thought you knew, that little bit's going to be taken away from you. And we're like, wow, okay. But I had a little bit of knowledge, but I don't care. You're just going to take that away. This is what Jesus is talking about. Now, I want you to write this down. You can't give away what you don't have. You can't give away what you don't first possess. I can't give you a car that I don't have, although I would want to. I can't give you a car that I don't have, and I can't give you a God that I don't know. can't give you a car that I don't have, and I can't tell you about a God that I don't even personally know. This is what Jesus is, is saying here. If we want to have anything to pass on to the next generation, if we want to have anything to pass on to our kids and to, to disciple our kids with, if we want to have anything to pass on to our friends, if we want to have anything to affect change in our culture, we have to first have it in order to give it away. You have to want to know what Jesus has to say to us. And the closer that you get to Jesus, he says, the more you're going to understand. The further you get from him, the less you're going to understand. The closer you get to the fire, the more you're going to feel the heat. The closer you get to the light, the more you're going to be able to see with. The lamp that Jesus is talking about here uh, in chapter 4 was a common everyday house lamp. It was a little clay dish uh, that you could put oil inside of you. Some of them were just as simple as just folding up the edges, and some were a little bit more sophisticated like this. Some of them even had a, a few designs that were marked on them. But you put oil in the middle of it, you'd put a wick down through the chimney, and you would light it, and that would, that would be your light. And they would take that they would take one of those and they would put it in a certain place in the house and they would have these little oil dishes all throughout the house. So wherever they needed to be able to see, they would light those lamps to be able to see. And so the question that gets raised or should be raised in the mind of the hearer is, why do you light a lamp? Well, you light a lamp so that you can see. You guys already nailed that one earlier, right? You light a lamp so that you can see. You don't put it under a bed. You don't put it under a basket. Why don't you do that? Because this doesn't do any good, right? A, a, a light under a basket you can't see. A light under a bed is not usable to be able to see around in the room. If you want to be able to see, or if you want to be able to help anybody else see, you have to take the light from under the basket, you have to take the light from underneath the bed, and you have to put it on a stand so it lights up things around you. That's what the purpose of a light is for. Now, when Jesus is saying this, there are two different, way, or there are two, two different things that kind of pop up out of here, uh, two different ways of living that get represented. You could choose to live in the light, or you could choose to live in the dark. And so every person who hears this, even hearing it today as we read the scriptures, have a choice to make. I can choose to live in the light, or I can choose to live in the dark. Which one am I going to choose to live by? And so if I choose to live in the light, what that means is I'm picking up God's word. 
And I'm getting close to him in it. I'm hearing his heart for me. I'm hearing his heart for the people around me. I'm learning about what it looks like to live in the kingdom. I'm learning about what it looks like to have a king over me that I follow as opposed to following my own leanings and my own self. I'm learning about what it looks like to walk with God. I'm learning about what it looks like to be a disciple of Jesus and to follow his word. I'm willing to hear what Jesus has to say to me. I'm willing to apply to my life what he has to say to me. So I can choose to live in the light, but at the same time, I can choose to live in the darkness and put a basket over that light, not only for myself, but for the people who are around me as well, right? There's two different choices that you can make. And when you choose to live in the dark, what you're doing is you're taking that light that you've been given and you're putting it under a basket. You're functionally snuffing it out, refusing to be changed by it, never picking up God's word, never reading it, never being led by it, never being discipled by the one who made your heart, right? Never picking it up, living with indifference and living with apathy in our lives and never being pricked for the things that, that hurt the heart of God, never being changed by the things that he wants to change inside of us, never allowing him to mold our heart and to mold our lives to be the people that he's called us to be. Now, this isn't us living perfectly, this is just allowing God to lead our hearts and to live in the light and not in the, the dark. And there are certainly people who are living in the light, right? This room is filled with people who are living in the light. But there are people in here and there are people in our world that are still living in the dark, that have taken the light that Jesus has given them and put in a basket over top of it or slid in that light underneath uh, of the bed. And what Jesus is saying here, for anybody who is willing to hear, he is saying, I've got light for you. Like, I have light for you that I want you to see. I've got light for you that I want you to pass on to other people. I'll give you this light if you listen, and then I'll give you more, and then I'll give you more, and then I'll give you more if you start to use it. But to those who don't, he says, even that's taken away. So we can choose to live in the light or we can choose to live in the dark. But there are ramifications that come with each way. There are ramifications that come with living in the light, and there are ramifications that come with living in the dark as well. And I'm going to go out on a limb, and I'm going to say, man, this isn't easy for us. Like, we feel the tension. I feel the tension in my own heart every morning when I wake up and I open up God's Word. Then am I going to be led by His Word, or am I not going to be led by His Word? Am I going to be soft to the things of God, or am I going to be soft to the things that I want in, instead? And so um, it's difficult at times, we can sing about letting our light shine. How many of y'all sung the song when you were growing up to your kids, This Little Light of Mine? Yeah, right? In our house, we debate on how the tune goes. I'm from southern Ohio, and so there's a little twang to mine. Um, uh, there's, a, there's a little more clean version when Ashley sings it in our house. Um, I would sing it to you and let you decide which one's better, but I don't want to do that to you this morning, okay? No, no. <laughs> this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. A little twang, right? This little light of mine. I'm going to let it shine. Anybody sing like that? Is that how you sing it? Or is it, this little light of mine, I'm going to let it shine. How many sings it the sec sang it the second way? Anybody sing it the first way? Yeah, oh, there it is. A little bit of twang that goes with it. Thank you guys for settling the debate in our house. I really appreciate, really appreciate that. Thanks for coming to my side. You guys, you guys are glorious. Come over anytime, anytime. But we can sing about this light. And not hiding under a bush, oh no. We can sing about this light and not letting Satan it out. Right? We can sing about this. But the kingdom of God often conflicts with our own personal kingdoms. And when that happens, 
it becomes difficult for us. And there are distractions that get in the way that keep us from letting our light shine all the time. Um, I was reading an article uh, from the Gospel Coalition this week, and they were talking about all these different distractions that we grapple with today, and they really narrowed in on social media. And social media, I know, always takes the brunt of things, and it takes the brunt of things because it's reality. It's where our world is right now. And I I would call these modern-day baskets that we cover our light with. And uh, the, the, the gist of the article was that we were too distracted by trending words to savor the timeless word. And we understand that, right? Um, we're too busy with, with posts and, and tweets and snaps and podcasts and, and everything else. And when I was reading it, and honestly, it sounded like the grumpy old guy who's standing on his porch, like, hey, you kids, get off my lawn, right? Like, like we understand that, but there's reality uh, to, to this as well. Because we spend so much time and emotional energy buried there scrolling and trolling that, that we miss opportunities right around us to let our light shine in real and meaningful ways. We miss opportunities to to scatter seed or we miss opportunities to have engaging conversations rather than just putting out our own ideas. Um, We get too busy with trending words, they said, to pick up God's word. And uh, I I think I would agree. I don't know if that hits home in your your own heart or not. I'll tell you the truth. One of the most convicting times of my my week is Sunday afternoon. It's usually when, when I'm done here, uh, I'll go back after we said goodbye to everybody and I'll pick up my phone and there will be a message on my phone uh, and it will tell me the average amount of time that I spent on my phone that week. Anybody get that on your phone? Yeah, you all shut it off already, didn't you? Because you, you don't want that. <laughs> and so I, I get back and I'm like, did I really waste that much time, usually on social media? Now I'll check my email from time to time, but did I, did I really waste that much time scrolling through what everybody else uh, had to say? And... The reality is, is yes, and it's a convicting time for me because I take that time, and it's, it's me staring down at my phone with my head down, and if we were to get practical with that, here's how that works. When our heads are down, we can't see around us. We know people are around us, but we can't see them, and so we end up, we miss, we miss our spouse, we miss our kids, we miss opportunities, we miss cues. We miss needs that people around us have. We compare ourselves. We judge others. We point out specks in somebody else's eye when we've got planks hanging out in our own eye. I don't know about you, but my phone and scrolling, it has become a basket that covers my light. It has become a bed that I often slide the light underneath of, and it robs me. I end up spending too much time with trending words rather than with the Word of God. And I'm not asking us to put our average of time that we get on Sunday afternoon to the average of time that we spend with God throughout the week, because I don't want to lay that on you. And I don't want to be that grumpy old guy who's standing on on the porch saying, why don't we read more? That's that's not who I want to be. But I do want this to be a challenge to our hearts, um, that we don't miss what's most important, that we don't miss God's word that guides our heart, that is the oil to our lamp, that lights the light, that allows us to not only uh, experience God in our own life, but also to be a light to the others around us. Because here's the reality. The, how we receive God's word and how we choose to, to engage with him and get close to him, it will fundamentally determine the amount of light that we have to give to somebody else. And we have to show to somebody else. Because we can't give away what we don't have. We can't hand out what we don't personally know. And so it fundamentally affects our evangelism and our ability to to spread seeds. And so the first thing that we learn about the kingdom of God is that if we want to be about God's kingdom, 
If we want to know more about his kingdom, we get close to Jesus, and he says he'll tell us more. We choose to live in the light, and we become a carrier of that light to the world around us. Here's the second thing that we learn in God's kingdom. We plant, but God makes things grow. This is an attack on our pride because we want to be the people who make things grow. We want to be the people who, who stand behind and, and we're moving things forward. We're, we're producers. That's what we do. We go after and we get after things. But this is, this is a highlight of God's sovereignty and power and a, a diminishing of our pride. Here's what he says in verse 20. He said, The kingdom of God is as if a man should scatter seed on the ground. He sleeps and rises night and day, and the seed sprouts and grows, and he knows not how. The earth produces by itself first the blade, then the ear, then the full grain in the ear. But when the grain is ripe, at once he puts in the sickle because the harvest has come. Man, this is a beautiful and a simple picture here. You have this farmer, and we don't know his name, right? This is hitting back to what happened at the beginning of chapter 4. We're still talking about farmers, agrarian kind of life here, scattering and throwing, excuse me, scattering and throwing seeds. We don't know the farmer's name, and he doesn't give us the farmer's name because the farmer isn't the important part here. God is the important one in in this moment. And so you have this farmer. He scatters seeds all over the ground. Now we assume as the reader that the the farmer's done his job. He's gone. He's prepared the field. He's got everything ready. He's been working. He's been putting in days uh, and weeks of hard labor. And then he goes home, and he does what a good farmer does. He goes home, and he rests because of the hard work that he's put in. Well, what's he do? Well, he takes time, and he scatters seed, and then he sleeps, and then he rises, and then he sleeps, and then he rises. He says, does that a bunch of times. Night and day, Mark says he does this. Uh, we got a, a slide to go ahead and throw it up there, I think, of this passage. Yeah, so uh, he sleeps, and then he rises, night and day. And the seed, what's the seed do? The farmer is placed, planted, he goes to bed, he gets up. He goes to bed, he gets up. Night and day, he does this. And while he's doing that, the seed, it sprouts and it grows. It sprouts and it grows. That's what the seed is doing. And I love this. The man has no clue of how this happens. Now we've got probably got some educated guesses. Now today we've got scientists who are out in the fields who are planting things. They know how things grow. But at the end of the day, why does a seed hit the ground and grow? We don't know. And what Mark tells us from Jesus' own mouth is that the earth produces by itself, without the help from the man. The man doesn't have a part of it. He plants the seed, and then after that, he's not out digging up the seed like, is this thing growing? Is this, is this working? Did I do it right? No, he's planted the seed, and then God is bringing about the growth. The, it's happening by itself. It produces the blade, the ear, and then the full grain in the ear. Hey, Mr. Farmer, what did you do while that was going on? Well, I went to bed. <laughs> I did that a bunch of times. The bed, and then I got up. And with the bed, and then, then I got up. And then one day, stuff started just to pop up out of the ground. See, so just kept growing. Well, did you do anything about it? No. I just watched it. It was amazing. It just kept popping up out of the ground. And Jesus was saying, yes. That's how this works. This is how the kingdom of God works. When the seed of God's word gets planted, Jesus says, my word does miraculous things. My word does miraculous things all by itself. You plant, but God makes it grow. God makes it go. It's God's sovereignty. It's his power. Does he use man to plant the seed? Absolutely. But who makes it grow? God makes it grow. God is powerful. 
in this. Because when I was younger, I was freaked out about sharing the gospel um, with people, telling somebody about Jesus. I'm talking like I was nervous wreck. Like I feel like, okay, God, God's telling me to share the gospel with this person. I'd be working it up. I'm like, my, my insides are shaking. My pits are sweating, you know, beads of sweat are coming around my brow. I'm like, what on earth am I supposed to do? And so, like, I didn't want to feel like that, so I would practice, you know, how I was supposed to share the word. I didn't want to make any mistakes, and, and so I would practice the words. And then um, when I'd finally get the courage to, to, sell, to tell somebody, I would deliver the message, and then I would walk away, and I would think, that wasn't too bad. It turned out pretty good. You know, sharing the gospel. Did it, did it well. I don't, probably other people are pretty good at it, but I think I did a pretty good job at that. And I would go home patting myself on the back. And the reality was, there were times where nothing happened, and uh, people look at me crazy and look at me strange, and nobody came to faith. And then when that would happen, I'd, I'd go home, and I'd say, well, why didn't anything happen? Did I mess up? Did I not get the words right? Wasn't the delivery good enough? Did, did, I, did I just miss something here? And I'd put a lot of pressure on, on myself. And then there were times I would just be sitting down, just shooting the breeze with somebody, and just casually kind of throw Jesus in there, you know? Like, hey, there's let me, just, there's Jesus. And then somebody would say, hey, would you tell me more about that? Would you tell me more about Jesus? I'm like, huh? You want, sure, I'll tell you more. And, and so I would sit there, and I would tell them more about Jesus. And, and I'd be like, really? Like, and then they would come to faith. And I'd be like, I didn't even do anything. And that was the point. That was the point. God gets all the glory. He, gets, he does the work. We plant seeds, and then he brings about the growth. He makes the transformation. But here's the deal. God's in control of the whole thing. The parables of Jesus, what they do is they confront the pride of man and they highlight the power and the sovereignty of God. God's in complete control. And in his kingdom, we plant, but he makes it grow. We can't even explain how it grows. We don't know. He just does it all by himself. And I'll tell you the truth, it takes a lot of pressure off us, doesn't it? It takes a lot of, like, we just plant, we throw out seeds, we scatter. Obviously, we want to come alongside and disciple people, but at the end of the day, God's in control of the growth. It takes so much pressure off of us. Just be faithful and sow, and God's going to do the work. It takes a lot of patience to be a farmer, doesn't it? It takes a lot of trust to be a farmer because you don't plant seed one day, and then you go back out into the farm, out into the farm and be like, there it is, big and lush. It doesn't happen overnight. It doesn't work like that. And there are seasons when you plant and you plant and you plant, and for whatever reason, be out, outside of your control, there's a drought. You can see it coming, and there's no growth. And there are seasons where just bugs show up and start eating the crops. Like, what's going on here? And there are seasons just there's just wild things and weird things happen. And a growth that you expected to come about, uh, it doesn't turn out the way that you expected it to turn out. Um, and you're frustrated and you're weary, and you say, well, why isn't anything happening? Why, why, why isn't anything? It, it's not like we read God's word once, and then we lay down at night, and we wake up in the morning, and we're super Christians, ready to go on and, and take on the world. I think this is how growth for a believer happens in the kingdom of God, that we pick up God's word, and we read it day by day by day. And little by little, he begins to bring growth. It doesn't happen overnight. We sit with God's word and we say, God, would you show me what you want? God, would you disciple my heart? I say, we, this is a perfect example right here. The, the, the word says we come 
we come to him like, like a spiritual baby, and, and he gives us milk, and he feeds us in our infancy, and we grow. And then as we begin to put that into the practice, he begins to give us more, and we begin to chew on that, and he begins to give us more. It's not growth that happens overnight. It's day in and day out in God's word. And eventually, when we're saying, God, you show me what you want. You disciple me. You teach my heart. God begins to do miraculous things in our hearts and in our lives and in our minds. And I don't, I don't know how God works with you when you sit down in the word and you're in troubling times. Man, uh, I, like, the Psalms aren't my favorite. And that might be blasphemy to some of you guys because like, the Psalms are your thing. But they're, they're not. Like I, God always teaches me something in them. But I'm going to tell you what, they have been honey to my soul over this last month. Like when I've been in them, God has just been like, hey, use these. Gosh, just, just like wrapping me up, cocooning me in his word, in, in these words. And they have been so sweet to me. And that's what he does. In seasons of your life, when you feel dry or seasons of your life, when you're going through things, he's just like, hey, let me teach you. Let me disciple you. Let me show you what's going on right now. And as you grow, here's what God's word tells us plant seeds around you. It doesn't have to be formal ministry. It doesn't have to be a job or a position that you have in a, in a church. Just scatter seeds wherever you go. Don't underestimate the seed that you're planting. Listen to me. Like, if you've been planting in the same area for years, don't underestimate the work that God is doing in you in that place. If you've been planting seeds in your family and that prodigal hasn't returned yet or your, your mom hasn't come to faith or your dad hasn't come to faith or your children haven't, don't give up because God is doing miraculous work under the surface that you can't see. You keep sowing seed. If you're a child in here and, and, and you're the one who's, who's bringing faith into your family, don't underestimate the work that you're doing and the seeds that you're planting. God is doing miraculous work in you and through you that you can't see. You keep sowing the word. And let God bring about the growth. And he will do it day in and day out when we're sleeping. Give the word and watch it grow. Here's the third thing that we learn, and we'll wrap up with this. We're to simply spread the word and watch the kingdom grow. In God's kingdom, we spread the word and we watch the kingdom grow. Here's what he says in verse 30. And he said, within or with what can we compare the kingdom of God or what parable shall we use for it? It's like a grain of mustard. He just see Jesus sitting down and having conversations with these disciples. Like, what can we compare this to? It's like a grain of mustard seed, which when sown on the ground is the smallest of the seeds on the earth. Yet when it's sown, it grows up and becomes larger than all the garden plants and puts out large branches that birds of the air can make nests in its shade. What a picture here, huh? Something so small that becomes so significant. One tiny seed turning into a large tree, so large and secure that birds would come and find rest and find security within the branches. Now, the mustard seed here is not the smallest seed ever, but it was the smallest seed um, typically that the, the common Jewish person had access to that they would plant inside of their gardens. It's what they were accustomed to. And, and Jesus takes this image of something that is so small that turns out so large. He says, this is what the kingdom of God is like. It starts off real small, and then before you know it, this thing just blows up. Now, Jesus, in this moment, he's talking to disciples who are this ragtag group of people who just started calling together to follow him. And this is, this is a small little group. And small. And to think, you know, that 2,000 plus years later, that people in Riverview Community Church in Ashland would be gathered in this room talking about the gospel of Jesus. That there would be millions 
in our world right now that would have joined ranks in the kingdom of God. That there would be billions who've gone before that have been in the shade and the nest of the branches of the kingdom of God, which is led by the king. They had no concept for something like this, but what Jesus was saying, something so small and seemingly insignificant to you right now, has the ability to grow up and create not just security for you, but for security for those around you as well. It started so small, but it's grown. You and me, think about this. Like we're, we're birds sitting in the branches of a tree that was planted thousands of years ago. And we sit in this tree with brothers and sisters from every nation and every tribe and every tongue from all around the world. People that we don't know their experience, we don't know what their background has been, but what we do know is that they're, we don't even know the circumstances, situation of their lives, but we know that they've heard the gospel of Jesus and they believed and they settled in to this ever-growing tree of believers who are finding their rest in the branches of Jesus. Men and women like you and me, trying to figure out how do we grow in this kingdom of God. So what does God say to us right now? What does he say? Spread the word and watch the kingdom grow. Spread the word and watch the kingdom grow. I don't know if you can imagine this or not, but just thinking about if we do what God's word says here in our community, if we go out and we follow Jesus, if we go out and we get close to Jesus and we let him disciple our hearts, if we go out and we plant seeds and we just simply watch God grow, can you imagine what he does in the families in our community? Can you imagine what he does in the schools in our community? Can you imagine the growth that is possible in the kingdom of God because we just go out and we scatter seeds and we watch God do the work? That's, just, that's exciting to me. So here's what we do. We don't put our light under a basket. We don't get distracted. We don't be afraid of sharing the gospel, and we don't be afraid of sharing the good news. We tell people about Jesus. We tell people in our community. We tell people in our circles. We pick up God's word, and we get close to him. We grow with him, and we be patient. And we expect him to work as he begins to water and grow seeds. And we patiently plant, and we patiently wait. We spread, and we watch the kingdom grow. Would you pray with me? Father, there's the reality that we can live in the dark, and we can live in the light. For my brothers and sisters who are living in the light, God, I am so thankful, so thankful for the work that you're doing, and, and how you're spreading seeds, and how you're growing your kingdom through your people. You don't need us, but you choose to use us. And I'm thankful. I pray that um, we would continue to, to pick up your word every day, and to grow in you, to get close to you, to get warm so that, we can, so, that we can, so we can understand. Give us a heart to want to grow. Give us a heart to want to understand. And for my friends in the room who haven't yet trusted you, who are still on the outside of the fire, who have not yet jumped into the kingdom of God, who have not experienced the goodness and the grace and the mercy and the love that you've given us through Jesus, Father, my heart pleads with you for their souls they would trust you even now as we sit here. That our educated minds, God, that we wouldn't try to cloud you out by overthinking you. That we wouldn't dull you out by not even thinking about you. Father, but that you would meet us where we are. And that you would grab our hearts. And that you would move my friends to have trust in you. To trust Jesus and enter into your family, I pray. Even to now, I believe that you can do it. 
Let your spirit move in this place. In Jesus' name, amen. Love you guys.